We are so excited to announce that we're going to be running a new motherhood support group. Starting September 8th, Sina and I will be leading a 10-part group to help reduce stress and cope with the challenges of new motherhood. This workshop offers new moms with babies from zero to one weekly group sessions that cover issues such as body image, the impact of motherhood on relationships and identity, mindful parenting, and self-care. The new motherhood support group will provide a space for connection, safety, and empowerment as we embark on the journey of parenting together. You will leave this workshop with a better understanding of motherhood and friendships with other new moms. The workshop will start September 8th and be on Thursdays from 12 to 1.30 p.m. You can register on Eventbrite, link to our website and Instagram at lovelink.co, or email us at info at lovelink.co if you want to learn more. Hope to see you there. If you love somebody, you will always hold that person in your heart. And you don't have to ever forget that. If you deny it, that's actually gonna have an impact on the next marriage. But to feel the freedom to say, yeah, there was a lot of good things, and today I love you. Welcome to Lovelink, your guide to love and sex in all forums. We're your hosts, Simone Humphrey and Sina Simon. Today we'll be speaking with Danish psychologist and couples therapy specialist Yetta Simon. Yetta has over 30 years of experience working with couples from around the world. She is a certified trainer in emotionally focused couples therapy and director of the Washington DC Training Institute for Couples Therapy and the EFT Institute in Copenhagen, Denmark. She is also my mother and over many years has been the go-to parent for relationship advice among my friends. Welcome, Yetta. Thank you, both of you. This is very special. And I wish that when I was in my 20s and or 30s, that there were people like you. Because back then, there were nowhere to go for relationship advice. So this is just an amazing work that two of you are doing. Very meaningful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. How did you come to, to work with couples? So uh, the kind of practice that I do, uh, I see couples in um, Washington, D.C. and in Copenhagen. And um, so that's part of my work. And another piece of my work is supervising therapists. And a third part is uh, training therapists in how to work with couples. Why do couples come to you seeking help? Why do well, couples come to therapy? You know, they come for with all kinds of stories. I mean, they come and, and say, uh, we don't communicate, our sex life is not good, we fight about money, um, I want a child and I don't want a child, um, conflicts about in-laws, um, all kinds of topics that because the relationship feels unsafe that they're not able to actually talk about. And do you find that there are issues that come up more for people in their 20s and 30s, like our age, um, versus issues that are coming up later in life? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are some differences. I mean, if you talk about young couples that don't have any children, uh, often 
they will come in with either communication is an issue or we have some challenges in our sex life uh, or could be about affairs it could be about um, lying um, could be about money where um, after a couple have their first child you often hear a little slightly different story that um, uh, you know within the two first year of a child they can for, for some there's a feeling of emotional disconnection um, so the time and the space they had for each other a lot of that energy goes to the child and then it's like where are we where are we and then later on you know when children leave home and uh, the focus might have been on children and then you're back to the couple and who are we now and this whole conversation about who are we now and um, can we find a, a new marriage in our life with the same partner so because over a lifespan you change and you're not the same as when you first met so for some couples like Rich and I would say we have had maybe two or three marriages within the same marriage with the same partner and what have they looked like yeah, you know, there were the, 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 the young couple who, um, uh, we, you know, we were in our 30th and um, the whole discussion, we have both been um, married, divorced, both been married for 10 years and then divorced and then um, uh, you and I moved to America and I got married to Rich and do we want another child, that whole discussion and... Um, us as um, a, a new family and for Rich, uh, you know, new to have a daughter um, and then, you know, you left, you left for high school in, in Denmark mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it was just him and I and who are we now? Mm -hmm. We're yeah. still parents, we're still your parents but there's also this whole space now and who do we want to be? Lots of space. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then as we get older, you know, I'm in my 60s and Rich is late 60s, um, you, you face other vulnerabilities. You face uh, friends, chronic illnesses, you have parents that are old, you yourself are more vulnerable at some, in some ways. Um, so, I think a big challenge for all couples is that we change, but we forget to both notice how we change, but we also forget to have the conversation about who are we now. You said something earlier that was really interesting, because it sounds like, I mean, every developmental age, every time point in a couple's relationship, you're going to be dealing with different problems. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned something that seems like is pervasive amongst all couples when they come to therapy, which is that they oftentimes don't feel secure and safe yeah. to talk about these problems. Exactly. So I was wondering if you could maybe speak a little more about that, about what, what do you mm -hmm. mean by safety and how do couples lose that? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the couples that I see never had it. So they don't really have an image of what a safe uh, connection is like. So actually living in unsafety 
feel safer than actually having safety because it's more familiar. Mm. So, but for um, uh, in a secure, what there's a paradox because you think that in a secure relationship where we say we emotionally depend on each other, uh, that we uh, um, maybe become less autonomous. But that's actually not true. The more you can risk opening up depending on another person for uh, emotional comfort, the more autonomous and independent you're actually going to experience your life, the easier it is to go out in the world. So we talk about this, this acronym, uh, A-R-E, are you there for me? Are you accessible? When I need you, will you uh, respond? Uh, and will you engage when I really need you? And uh, for a lot of the couples that come into therapy, the answer to that is no, I don't trust that you're going to be there if I really need you. I don't trust that you will engage with me if I really need you, that you are available. And um, so that activates vulnerabilities that we might not have had an experience with sharing with our partner in a way where we actually would be met. So instead, we, we defend, um, we, um, we get angry, uh, and exactly that function, that action tendency, getting angry, will push the partner further away, they might withdraw more, which will then confirm the other partner's belief that you're really not there for me. Uh, and then they will intensify their protest by maybe be critical, um, uh, which then will create this cycle. So what we teach couples is that the enemy is really the cycle. It's the pattern you get stuck in. And that pattern is fueled by vulnerability that you don't know or might not feel comfortable sharing or might for years have avoided even noticing you have. Even though we talk, we're talking about adult relationships, the uh, dynamics of what we do when we don't feel secure are very much like what we did as children. Yeah. And we all have our inner babies. Exactly, exactly. And um, so what we try to help couples with is to actually kind of take a U-turn and really notice what's going on on the inside and um, validate that it's normal to feel vulnerable. Men feel vulnerabilities, women feel vulnerabilities and to help them through noticing their emotions get to what they need and long for and then to be able to share that with their partner rather than moving into their own defensiveness. But it's risky to share with a partner if you don't feel safe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So many couples are so reluctant to go to couples therapy. Mm -hmm. and I think probably for many reasons. Yeah. I'm wondering if you, oftentimes, the couples that you do see are on the brink of a breakup because this is their yeah. last resort. 
Right, then they might have tried two, three, four other therapists and they, they weren't successful. So yeah, a, a lot of couples come and it's kind of the last straw. Uh, and often, um, you know, they're in despair or uh, one has um, more or less given up. Uh, the other might still have some hope. So sometimes they come in, yeah, and it's, there's a lot of ambivalence and also um, uh, a lot of fears that it might not work out. And I'm also wondering, you know, because there are couples where either they're both ambivalent, one person is ambivalent, mm -hmm. um, and how, how you work with that. The issue they bring into therapy initially don't say much about the outcome if we can get them engaged. So what's more important is that the therapist can create an alliance that feels safe and um, where both people feel really validated with whatever they bring. Mm -hmm. And um, if you can create a context where people begin to trust you, where they um, can open up, then that's much much more important than the actual topic they bring in. Mm -hmm. Unless one say, I want out. Right. Yeah, right. that's a different. Then I say, okay, let's slow it down. Let's slow this down. And to most couples, I'll say, um, divorce is seldom an emergency. Mm. And can you give it a little time to understand what you got stuck in and what fueled it so you can make a wiser decision. Uh, it's not, you know, I mean that people leave and get divorced. I totally respect that and, you know, I had my own divorce. Um, but um, what I hope for couples is that they know why. They know what they were stuck in, what fueled it and um, can give that some time, so sometimes I'll ask, could you give it three months to kind of understand what happened? Uh, and also understand your own contribution to why it ended where it ended. What are some examples of reasons um, couples do end a relationship in your experience and the couples that you've seen where they've been to therapy but then ultimately decide, you know, we're not going to stay together. We're actually going to end this. One can be that their value system is really very different. They don't want the same in their lives. And that the way they have grown and changed has moved them in different directions. Hmm. Yeah. And then there can, there can be um, certain issues that um, one person don't want to deal with. Denial, denial of alcohol, denial of drugs, denial of um, uh, personal issues that they really don't want to own and the other person says. If you reflect back mm -hmm. on your own marriage, yeah. your first marriage, mm -hmm. what do you think was your reason, why, why do you think that didn't work out, that marriage? I With your father? With my father. Yes, exactly. exactly. Loaded question. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. I mean, we've talked about this. Yes. Uh, you I know, think, you know, as sitting where you are today mm -hmm. and looking back on, I mean, you got divorced 
actually a similar age that I got divorced yeah. at 31, 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious when you reflect back now, 30 years later, what, yeah. what, yeah, what your thoughts are. You know, first of all, your father is a very good man. And um, we had... He is a good man. He's a good man. We had some very good years together. And then uh, we actually did grow apart, also in terms of values. And emotionally, we got disconnected. And I wasn't... I didn't know how to uh, get through to him in a way that felt safe for him, clearly. So when I introduced the idea of couples therapy, I wasn't able to let him understand that it wasn't that it was all his fault. Um, So I think what happened, and you know, he can talk to that himself, but that for a lot of men, they begin to feel they there's something wrong with them, and then that activates shame, and then they get angry, right? So, um, uh, so for me, it was a very meaningful marriage, and also very good for both of us that we went in different uh, directions. Um, of course, another part is related to, you know, what does that mean for you as, as our daughter? But um, uh, I think that's some of my reflection now, and I know so much more now. Uh, I had a much harder time when I was younger seeing my own contribution to, I mean, part of my issue was I would, um, I would give up parts of myself to maintain the relationship and then get angry about it. Which, you know, a lot of us women do. We feel something, but we don't know how to express it in any other way than through anger. And then we don't get met, and then we give up, and then we stay. And uh, some stay too long. Um, and um, But this whole dynamic of not trusting what you're actually feeling on the inside. Uh, that's an issue for a lot of women. So, and the fear of abandonment. So you stay, you give up your own uh, needs uh, out of fear of being alone. So this might be a loaded question, but mm-hmm. if you were in your relationship then and you knew what you know now, mm-hmm. do you think you could have salvaged that relationship you know I sometimes thought about it um, and I think that's where our dreams for what we want to do were so different comes into play but who knows mm-hmm. yeah you can never know for sure but the good thing is that I feel really good about is to be in my marriage today with Rich and we can look back at our first marriages with a smile and also talk about them as very meaningful times. And that's some of the things I help couple with that 
end up divorcing is create you know create meaning in terms of that choice they made and understand that if you love somebody you will always hold that person in your heart and you don't have to ever forget that if you deny it that's actually gonna have an impact on the next marriage mm -hmm. but to feel the freedom to say yeah there was a lot of good things and today I love you mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's lovely mm -hmm. I think you also mentioned something earlier too that I think is so important which is that if you do decide to break up with someone mm -hmm. it's so important to know what your role was yeah. what your contribution is because yeah. if you don't you'll continue yeah. that pattern in your next relationship exactly and it will just continue to play out yeah that's the key and sometimes that piece of work I can't really do it with both partners being present because I get a little I challenge that if people put everything on the other uh, so I do that I, sometimes I do that in individual sessions so they'll come in together and then I'll do half an hour with each of them looking at their own contributions and then they'll come back and share that with their partner they might say I don't know if I want to stay with you um, I'm still in process about figuring out what it was that I contributed to us ending where we did. And it's a huge relief for the other to hear that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in that process they find each other again and they realize that for some partners, it's not, the partner is not the enemy. Yeah, It's a pattern that's... Um, can then can escalate and pull you into extreme roles that you would just never have imagined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and really understanding that um, is so helpful for a lot of couples, even when they divorce. Um, so in a divorce, yeah, I have couples talk about um, actually what are the, what, what were the behaviors they're very happy to say goodbye to in that marriage, both in their partners, but also in themselves. And what are, um, what were the good times? And what were the dreams that they have to say goodbye to that will never be? Because that's actually the hardest for a lot of couples, is that we have dreams about what it could have been. Mm. And we have to give up that dream with that person. And to the nervous system, that often feels like a small death. And that's often, you know, also after the divorce, that's what we struggle with. And we have to help couples understand that you say goodbye to that person, but you don't say goodbye to the dream in the future. Mm. So that's a hard thing to negotiate intrapsychically. Like create a new dream? Or yeah. create a dream, the same dream, but with a new person? or Whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So and the dreams don't die. You'll the always dreams, be able yeah. to have dreams. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yes. But it's hard to say goodbye to a dream you had with a particular person. Yeah. yeah. And I imagine even if a couple stays together, sometimes those dreams die. Yeah. There's a lot of disappointment and then you do need to recreate a new dream. Yeah. Within that partnership. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is so much more easy to do when the relationship feels secure and safe. It's much easier to explore for most couples when you feel free to say whatever you need to say. Yeah. So one couple came in 
she wanted another child, he didn't. And that pattern, the, the, the um, conversation they had around it, brought them into a very polarized position where he felt really rejected and she felt totally invisible and unheard. And through the EFT work, they slowly connected. And what was emotionally connected, they bonded again. And then at some point, I always bring up the initial issue again. I said, so today where you're more bonded, how do you talk about uh, a third child? And he said, he said, you know, I can see myself have a third child. And she said, I don't need it. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so what did they end up doing? They ended up having a, a third child. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's the emotional bond that we are trying to help couples uh, deepen. Because when you are emotionally connected, being different is interesting rather than scary. And, and this is, you know, Gottman's research shows that 69% of all the ways in which you think uh, differently will stay differences, which is good. I mean, it would be so boring otherwise. Uh, but you can have conversations about it and you can solve issues if you feel disconnected emotionally can't solve anything. Creating a context where you can share the good times, the tough times, without risking uh, being rejected or abandoned is huge. It's huge. Yeah. And of course all of this gets even more complicated if we come into a relationship with trauma or if there's a lot of what we call attachment injuries, which are moments where you had hoped your partner would be there, but he or she weren't there for you when you really needed them. So whenever then you begin to move close, those memories come back up. And as we work with a couple in EFT, we'll help them repair that. We just try to be in the present moment with what's going on. So it's very experiential. And when you attune what needs to come up will organically begin to show up and then you process it and then you have them turn towards each other. So it's not the processing of emotion in itself that creates healing but it's actually the different conversations that comes out of being able to um, tune into your own nervous system and then understand that emotions are there for good reasons. They are kind of an entrance into your needs and your longings and that you have been afraid of sharing or even, even touching on, even feeling. We invite you to spend the next few moments to just Listen.
moment was brought to you by Non, spelled N-O-N, the sound meditation app for iPhone, where no two sessions are alike. We've talked about some of the commonalities across all couples, um, couples that have difficulties Mm -hmm. at different stages as well. There are a lot of commonalities. And I know that you've worked... Um, in many different cultures, in yeah. South Africa and Israel and Qatar mm-hmm. and a lot in Scandinavia and the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, what are the, if there are differences that you see and what are those differences? And also, what are the similarities across cultures and the way, um, and the ways that couples relate and the struggles that they go through? Yeah. You know, it's interesting that now we are met today in my life, I feel that underneath the patterns, it's the same issue Mm, all over. That we all need, we all long to feel loved. We all long to feel that we're important to somebody. I mean, why should we be here if we don't feel that we're loved and important and connected? Um, But the uh, way people express themselves are very different. So, um, you know, working with a couple in New York uh, that might have very fast access to language might be a very different uh, field than to work with a couple from the west coast of Denmark where... Slow. Slow. (laughs) Slow like me. Fewer words, right? And um, or um, working like a couple I work with in Israel, he said, "Yeah, you have to remember in Israel we all traumatized. That's why we speak so fast, uh, you know." So uh, to to be able in one culture to slow people down, and in other culture to be more focused on unpacking and bringing people out. Um, and then, of course, the whole issue working in the Middle East. I had a client where um, he had just married wife number two. And uh, I, I was very honest. I said, I never work with the couples with multiple wives. Uh, but I'm willing to give it a shot. But Oh, wife number two, meaning he was still married. Yeah, he was married. first wife. Yes, and then he'd chosen another. Yeah. And... Uh, so I wasn't uh, comfortable working with both wives in the room, so I said, bring wife number one. And then we explored what happened right before he decided to pursue wife number two. And it was totally an attachment issue. He, as we unpacked it, be- could begin to share. This was in Arabic and there were translators, but very... Uh, good translators, he began to share how he felt rejected by wife number one. He felt lonely in the marriage. And in his culture, it was normal to marriage, marry up to four wives. Um, but they had never had the conversation that something was going on at an emotional level that also had him turn elsewhere. But the, the question had you been able to feel um, more important with your first wife, would might you not have gone out um, for wife number two? And he said that was a real possibility. 
So it was just interesting how the attachment frame uh, worked in that context. Yeah. So, yeah, so they are... And I would also wonder, too, if, if, if his relationship with wife number one became more secure, how would that impact his relationship with wife number exactly. two? Exactly. Yeah. dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Sounds complicated. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there are the cultural issues like... In, in Africa, actually a long time ago, six years ago, I spoke with some women and they kind of expect their men to be unfaithful. Is uh, this in South Africa? Uh-huh. Yeah. But they were, um, they were angry about it, but they relied very much on their relationship to their female friends. Um, so they were not alone. Whereas an immigrant couple I'm working with in Copenhagen who have no network where he has been unfaithful is devastating for her because she has nowhere to turn. And then she protests, she got very, very upset and angry and it ended up, you know, with him pushing her. But the difference that it can make to be in a context where you have somebody to lean on then you can say, okay, at another level with these, the women group I'm talking about in South Africa, um, do they live in a context where there's equality? No, they don't. Um, so they have other challenges because if they were the unfaithful, the scenario would be quite different. Um, so. Your affairs are interpreted differently in different cultures. And the meaning of them can be different and the impact can be different. And it also sounds like in South Africa, the women are more tolerant because that's the norm. Yeah. But do, it also doesn't necessarily seem like they're more satisfied with the relationship. Exactly. Exactly. And they struggle with equality. They struggle, they, they feel dominated, they feel at times controlled, right? Some of these women. Uh, but not, necess- but not in, in the bigger cultural context, context where they, they might um, feel they have a strong position among sisters, uh, professionally. Um, so it depends on what domain we are in. And when, in your experience working with couples, we've talked a lot about male cheating, and you uh-huh. know, just as I'm listening, it's a lot of a narrative about men, well, men having affairs. But I'm curious, women too. Yeah. yeah. In, in your experience, um, do men have more affairs than than women, or you know, still it's the, the statistics is a little higher for yeah. men, but we women, um, uh, you know, it's moving. We're moving up there. Um, and so there's uh, an increase. Yes, there's an increase. Yeah, and um, which is understandable, you know, with women feeling freer, feeling um, uh, they have the right also, and so with affairs, um, what what I try to help couples with is understanding that the function of an affair is very different from the hurt and the impact it has on the other partner. What is the function of an affair? 
How do you explain that? Yeah, so for example, one uh, couple I'm working with where she had an affair, and she said to me that she, um, she, she didn't feel that he was really interested in her as a woman. She felt he was more interested in her as a mother and the mother of the children, but she missed feeling sexy sexy yes mm -hmm. and um and she got attracted to this other man who really saw the beauty in her as a woman and she didn't know how to communicate that with her partner so she had gotten tired of who she'd become as a wife and um she her intention was not to divorce her partner but she found an aliveness in herself again that was really quite breathtaking for her that she wasn't able to activate with her partner yet. So it's easy to validate her and say, that makes sense. You, you didn't like who you'd become. You, uh, you uh, began to feel this new feeling of being alive on the inside. Uh, you long to feel like a woman with him, but you didn't know how to get through to him. That makes sense. And then, of course, I need to go over to him and say, and your wife, your wife going out, it really hurt you. It really hurt you. And you were devastated. And for your wife, it's a different story. Yeah. So you differentiate the function and the impact, mm -hmm. you validate both, and then you slowly begin to unpack it. So with this particular couple, um, was was he able to kind of treat her and change his behavior in a way that made her feel sexy? It's a complicated situation because he then began to pursue her, but it was more in order to console himself. And that was a turn-off for her because she still didn't feel that it was her. She felt it more came out of a desperateness and that the sex was to, you know what I mean, by just consoling his pain. So we talk about, you know, sex can be consoling or release of tension, and then it can be more synchrony sex, right? Where you're really with the person. And that was what she was longing for, but it took some time for him to get there. So I said to him, I'm going to help you stand in the storm and then I can help you find your best self. And then let's see, we unpack it slowly, we unpack it. And they could slowly begin to have a conversation about their sex life and who they were now that uh, came from a different place. Mm -hmm. um, but not done overnight. I mean, I think I saw them 15, 15, yeah, at least 15 times, yeah. Relationships are hard. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, and that, they can be, they yeah, can be. but they, I think, I think that it, it's not like Hollywood moment, right? Yeah. Relationship has extreme wonderful moments and very painful moments. Yeah. And part of what we are helping couples with is to be with all of it to be with all of it and not 
and and that's where it's different being 20 and being 62 uh, uh, because when I was young I came into the relationship with this fantasy that it you know it's gonna be always good yeah yeah it's naive yeah that's a hard fantasy to let go very hard that's a fantasy I had too yeah oh yeah uh, we yeah. all do I mean, we look all at what's do. around us Exactly. All of the romance films and what we've been told in mm-hmm. magazines. Right. So sometimes you know those first daughter marriages. <laughs> oh, good marriages. Right, they're good. Oh boy. But they also <laughs> learn they, a lot. They yeah. wake us up. Yeah. Right. And and really when um, when you wake up, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And and it hurts. Do you think second marriages have a higher rate of success? Yes, they can if you are aware of your own mm-hmm. vulnerabilities. Some if you call, learn something. If you learn something. Yeah. If you don't do the work, there will be a repeat. Yeah. And then they go into third marriage and it will be a repeat. But if you learn something, it will be different. And you're going to feel the difference with the next partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're going to feel more courageous in terms of sharing who you are. And it's not going to be so scary to share your vulnerabilities. And, and you're going to look for how they respond. And you're going to ask them to respond and do the work. And a lot of men need that. Also women, but a lot of that guys. That challenge. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because a lot of men in this society gets messages that doesn't benefit them in a marriage. They get messages around being powerful and have control, and that doesn't work in an intimate relationship. Given that so many couples come in on the brink of a breakup, mm-hmm. I mean, for all of our couple listeners out there who are struggling, I mean, what would you recommend to them? when they should seek therapy? Like, what would they be noticing in their relationship when you would encourage couples to come in? Um, what the, the, kind of, we're talking about the symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. If they hold back, if they don't share, that's a warning, that's a red light. Mm-hmm. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 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 Or if you um, get too reactive, too angry, yeah. So if you begin to find yourself becoming more and more rea- reactive, that's a that's a red light. That's a fl- that's something to listen to. Yeah. Or if you begin to stop talking and giving up. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, th- those would be two very important. And I imagine it's it's in an ideal world, better to come in once you start noticing those things happening, those symptoms, rather than when you're sort of at the level of, do we stay together or not? Like, if that's the conversation, then you're already at an extreme. Not to say that it can't be worked upon or or can't be workable, but just that it's better to come in before you reach that point. And the good news is more and more young couples are interested in creating um, a different way. And so I think the work the two of you are doing are so, so, so important. 
both giving the uh, educational workshops for couples understanding where they can get stuck having the conversations um, almost like before you commit to forever after which you know but really having the conversations you know in hold me tight we have these seven conversations that are so useful where we help couples understand the pattern they get stuck in we help them understand what's the raw spot right we help them uh, repair if they have already felt injured uh, we help them talk about sex um, right because in any relationship eventually you're going to reach the point where some challenging moment yeah. happens it's normal and I think that's a big message to get out. We are all in it together. Everybody struggles at times. And you can move through it. And if you avoid the struggle, you're losing out on deepening the relationship. Because actually moving into it is a way also to um, integrate parts of yourself, to feel better about who you are, to deepen, you know, your your self worth, um, and to feel freer in the world, feel actually more autonomous, more independent, as you risk depend, depending on others, and you know that's that's in our intimate relationships, but we have we also have other special people we depend on, like friendship and. Yeah, family. Yeah, you know, historically, and even now, the Catholic Church has this model of doing premarital counseling, right. which is such a great idea. But, you know, the rest of the world that aren't part of the Catholic Church, it's like there's very little education yeah. on how to have a healthy relationship. Yeah. And it's so much better yeah. to be taught the stuff on the front end. Exactly. Um, because otherwise it can get really messy. Yeah. We have something in Denmark at the clinic where I do all my courses. We call it a couples check, check-in. So in the same way as you go to the dentist... Uh, twice a year, some only go once a year. You you do a um, and you can do it online. A check in about how well you're doing in your relationship, yeah. and you look at the different aspects of your relationship and see how we're doing in our in that room of sex. How are we doing as parents? How are we doing as friends? So that we are also sending a message out. Well, your relationship, you know, it's like taking care of your body, of your teeth. Of your soul, of your psyche, um, it 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 doesn't just happen. It's a it's a journey, so it's it's like a journey to be lived. It's a process to be to be lived, and um, and and we're not so focused on an EFT on solving issues because people when they are securely connected they are brilliant at solving their own issues. Um, they know what to do. It's about deepening connection. Yeah. 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 And risking opening up. Yeah. Opening your heart. Well, thanks, Mom. You're welcome. <laughs> this was so much fun. You guys are doing great work. You really are. Yeah. That was a very mom comment. <laughs> so we have... Uh, a couple questions to end the interview on. Mm -hmm. The first is, 
Um, what piece of advice would you give to our listeners on relationships? When they begin to feel disconnected, to um, really uh, think in terms of that they're stuck in patterns and they're not sick, but there's a pattern they're caught in. And uh, a good book to read, of course, is Hold Me Tight, that will um, give you instructions on how to understand uh, the pattern. So, for example, what is it my partner does that activates me, that triggers me? How do I respond to that? So, my advice is really to, and then what happens, but to really understand that your behavior have huge impact on your partner's well-being. Mm-hmm. And we have no clue to how deep that goes. Um, that's actually how important we are to our partners, that what we do have huge impact. Now that your daughter is single, oh, no. <laughs> yes. what piece of advice would you give to her specifically as a mother? Mm-hmm. To trust that she will find a really good man. And now we'll do the astrology to figure out the timing (laughs) (laughs) for the real answers. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. To stay in touch with us, sign up for our quarterly newsletter at lovelink.co, where we share our favorite articles and resources about love, sex, and relationships. Also, in future episodes, we plan on answering listener questions. So if you'd like your questions featured on our show, send us a voice memo using the Anchor app or send it directly to our email, info at lovelink.co. And if you have a second, truly, the best way you can help support us is to rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Just scroll to the bottom of the Loveling show page and let us know what you think. We thank you all again so much for listening. We're truly touched you take the time out of your busy schedule for us. Until next time.